0: Amen. We well, can grab a seat, uh, man. So good to be here. It is. Uh, we you know we need we need this. I know. Um, you know. As we turn on the news, as we uh, scroll through our news feeds, there's a lot to be burdened by right now. Is there not? A um, lot to be praying for, a lot, uh, lot that's discouraging, uh, whether it be what's happening over in Afghanistan, um, the situation down in, in Haiti, and, and all that they're walking through. And then now, uh, even today, there's uh, storms hitting uh, the northeast here in this, this country. And, um, you know, we could go on uh, for a while. But what a reminder, um, you know, even the, the, the song um, that, that, that we sang that, that God is over all that I know. and and exalted over over all things, and and what a great reminder! This is why we gather this morning, and it's for that reason too that um, you know the the topic that we're uh, continuing on this morning is so good uh, for us. We need um, to come before the Lord. We need Him to work uh, in these things. Sometimes it's all that we can even uh, kind of walk through, even even ourselves. You know, it's um, <laughs> it's it's more probably annoying than anything. But here we are, you know, back in uh, masks again, and some of you had to like dig those out of the bottom of your closet, hoping that you were kind of done done with those. And so uh, we just continue to you know, navigate and, and kind of walk through you know, all, all of this together. And, and, um, but God is present and working in all of that. And so we're reminded of that as we look at um, even uh, the, the topic this morning. We're continuing in our series that we're calling Devoted to Prayer. Uh, we uh, see throughout the book of Acts and throughout the uh, letters written to the churches that uh, the early church, when the church began, it was uh, devoted to prayer. Uh, it was uh, one of the two legs that the chair, that the church stood on, right? You have the ministry of the word and you have the prayers, and they were devoted. This word is used over and over again, um, that, that uh, the church was devoted. We're called to devote ourselves uh, to prayer. And I think um, the, the reason that we're looking at this together as a church really uh, kind of was birthed out of what I felt and saw God doing in my own life. I shared this with you um, last week. I'll continue to remind you of this. But as I looked at my own life, I knew that there was more uh, that, that I needed to Walk through more that I needed to engage in in prayer. Uh, it was far farther that I wanted to go, and uh, I knew that there wasn't as enough prayer, wasn't as often enough prayer, wasn't as fervent of prayer as I would like to see in my own life. And I just assume that if I'm in that place, that our church probably is. To. And so what a, what a good uh, thing to dig into and to grow in and to um, lean on um, together. And uh, I'm, so I'm learning, I'm working on it uh, just as much as you. And I think one of the pictures that's been uh, so helpful for me in thinking about where we want to get to is uh, actually comes from sort of an unlikely place. Uh, I asked in the first service how many people remembered um, flannel graphs, and I got like a bunch of shaking heads of no. And I've never felt like that much that old. Like uh, yeah, see, even now, some of you are scowling at me. Like, what am I talking about, flannel graphs? Let me explain, I can't believe I'm doing this, but let me explain what a flannel graph is, okay? It's a piece of like felt or fabric or something, and then you kind of put little pictures on it. And this is like in Sunday school when I was growing up, yeah? You would you would have the uh, the, the like sort of Bible stories, and they were told through these either paper or fabric kind of pictures, and and, um, and that's how I learned most of the Bible. Like today, what's happening right now downstairs, they've got videos and all sorts of, you know, multimedia things kind of going on. No need for that fabric, we've got, We've got uh, videos of this. And so, but one of the stories that I don't think I ever saw in the flannel graph is the story where Jesus, he went to the temple. Do you remember this? And he saw all the vendors, all the money changers, all the the commotion that was happening. and, um, And he was angered by it. Um, it, was, it was, what was happening there in, in the temple was not what was supposed to be happening. And he starts flipping tables. And it says in, in one of the situations, he actually made a, a whip out of cords and he drove people out of the temple, right? We don't often think of this picture of Jesus. Jesus meek and mild, right? Like it's, it is, he was angered over it. Why? Well, because the church or the place, his, it wasn't the church at the time, it was the temple where, his, where his God's glory was, where his presence was seen, where it was known, had become something different than it wasn't. And what he said in that moment, he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. And how interesting, right? Because there's a lot more that happens in his house, in the temple, than prayer. Uh, it's a place that worship exists, right? Where songs are sung. It's a place that his word is proclaimed and, and his word is studied. But he didn't say any of that. He said, it, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And the thing that I've been convicted on is just looking at our own church and saying, "Listen, would that, would that be said of us? Not that we have money changers or vendors or any of that, right? Hopefully Jesus doesn't have to flip out any tables, but would he be able to say that this house is a house of prayer? Now we know that the church did not replace the temple. in fact, our lives, it says God indwelled us, as those of his, his children, the followers of Jesus, have been indwelled, and, and we are the temple, but Still the same, this is the place that God meets with us when we're collectively, corporately, together in this place and that he is here with us and, and, and working here. And so we want to see this place be a house of prayer. Is it? Is it a house of prayer Well, this is what we're leaning into. We wanna grow in this. We're gonna try and make resources and all sorts of things available to us as we seek to grow in this. I gave you this website. Write this down if you haven't yet. It's cityonahill.co slash pray. Um, we're going to be putting some fresh um, resources up. We're going to link to some books. We're going to have some prayer guides, some other things. This is where you go if you want to pray. Uh, next week, uh, Bree mentioned that we're going to be having our week of prayer already. I think almost half of the slots are filled. If we fill them up, we'll open up more. But sun up to sundown, Monday, Friday, we're going to be praying as a church. We're going to be praying for the needs that we have. We're going to be praying for our community. We're going to be praying for our church, for each other. It's going to be an important time together as we enter the fall. And this next season ahead of us, we're seeking the Lord intentionally in that way. Well, today we want to continue in our series and we want to learn how to pray. So open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Verses one through four, if you don't have a Bible, you can find one underneath one of the seats in front of you, but we're calling this morning Learning to Pray, because here's the encouraging thing for us, if you feel like when it comes to prayer, and that's the whole reason that we're kind of doing this series, right, is we wanna learn to pray, prayer is not something that we are hardwired with. See, the disciples, they approached Jesus, and they asked him, even after all the time that they had been with him, they approached Jesus, and they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. See, we see it here in uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, verses one through four. Let me just read it, and we'll see it here. Uh, this is what we're, the passage we're gonna be looking at this morning. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And as he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. See, I don't know about you, but when I hear this question being asked, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? My ears sort of perk up as should yours and we should be, I wanna hear that answer, right? I wanna know how should I pray? What is the way that we pray? And I wanna know how to pray rightly and I wanna know if I'm praying wrongly. And there's a difference. Um, you know, uh, my, my kids, uh, as we've taught all of them, we're working on it with Levi. We've, we've taught them all how to ride a bike, right? At some point, it's a good skill to have. Um, and so uh, a lot of people start with those training wheels. We've actually learned that training wheels, it's like I'll save you some time if you're a parent trying to teach. Training wheels actually make it worse because you kind of lean on this and you sort of develop some bad habits. You're not balancing. And so what we've moved to is we actually take the training wheels off. We take the pedals off and we let them balance on the bike, or they make balance bikes. We were just kind of too cheap to have that for the first couple, so we just took the pedals off, and so they learned to sort of scoot around and balance, and they're developing some good habits, but here's the thing. When it comes to prayer, we're sort of like that. We uh, begin praying, right, because we're just we're praying, and uh, we may develop or maybe we hear around us some bad habits and some things that we got to sort of undo or, or unlearn or kind of get out. And, and Jesus actually addresses this. The this, this same model for prayer is used in a different context. So you can tell that Jesus was giving a pattern here. He uses this and he actually begins by saying how not to pray. In Matthew chapter six is where you can find it. But he says, when you pray, do not pray like the Gentiles do hear people that are far from God, right? Do not pray like them. What do they do? Well, they heap up phrases. They, they pile together meaningless words and then they pray in such a way that they receive the praise of others, that others would hear and see them praying. And so he's correcting how they were praying or how they might be prone to pray and then giving them some instruction on how to do it. So in the same way that, yeah, if you learn to sort of rest on those training wheels and you're gonna have a hard time making the transition to riding without them in the same way, I think we do that sometimes. You know, can I just do what, what, what I think God's done for me over the last couple months? Can I just share that with you? See, he's kind of ruined the way that I pray. Like, I've been really self-conscious about it in a good way, okay? So in the same way that last week I sort of, you know, uh, poked a little bit at, at the phrase traveling mercies." Some of you are like, what is that? It's just, it's something that like weird Christians, no, not weird Christians, very great Christians, uh, you know, ask for it. All of you are gonna be so, yeah. You've, I've, I've appreciated it. All of you have like texted me this week and like praying for traveling mercies for you or asking for that. And the register was full as I knew of. But here's the thing, I, what I was trying to say in that, in a loving way, um, you can still ask for that. That's fine, I'll still pray for it. But my point is, is that sometimes I think we say phrases that we don't even think about. So I've started thinking about the word like just, I think we use that a lot when we pray. Um, we use the word be with a lot and uh, bless. Those are like kind of three go-tos. And we also kind of can use the Lord's name a lot in, in prayer, but, but if you take away some of those words, like if you don't say just, be with, or bless, so many times we're like, God, could you just do this? Could you be with her? Could you bless this situation? All of a sudden, if you remove some of those words, the question is, not that we can't say those words ever, But I think it's good to ask and know, well, what are we actually praying? How do we pray when we pray? What are the things that we're asking for? This is what Jesus was saying. He's saying, hey, don't pile up these meaningless words. Don't just string words together. Rather, when you pray, pray like this. And he's giving a model, a pattern. So not that we pray these exact words all the time, but this is the pattern for us to pray. And so you know what? I think it's good for us to sort of have, um, <laughs> have some of those things kind of blown up a little bit. I heard a comedian one time comment on, you know, bless the food and the hands that prepare it. Like, why do we just pray for the hands? Why don't we pray for everything else? Like, is it just the hands that need blessing and, and not, the, not the feet, not the, uh, not the head, not, you know, none of that. It's just, just the hands, right? So we want to have some good language, some good direction in our prayers doing all this, and we have to be taught. Even being with Jesus, the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So this is what we're gonna do this morning. We wanna learn how to pray. And for some of us, it's gonna be review. Others of us, maybe you're just checking out Christianity, exploring what it means to follow Jesus. So glad that you're here. This is a great topic to look at. It's prayer. It's talking to the Lord. And Jesus teaches us how to do it in a, in a way um, that he would have us do that, that leads to a greater fruitfulness in our prayer and greater change in our life. So that's where we're going this morning. Let me just pray for our time in God's word that he would direct us in this. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and your graciousness to us. And God, for this model that you've given us here in your word, we ask that you would teach us now Um, that we would see maybe some of the places that we sort of slip into repetitive phrases or inauthentic or kind of meaningless words, but God, that we would have real authentic relationship, conversation, time with you. God, that's what we're leaning into together as a church right now. We want to grow in this. And so I ask that you would teach us, that you would lead us, God, that you would help us to pray more fervently, more authentically, God, more trustingly. All of that, God, we ask that you would do in your grace in the name of your son, Jesus, amen. All right, well, what I wanna do, I wanna start just by kind of walking through this prayer and kind of break it down phrase by phrase. So we're gonna see this example in this pattern that Jesus has set up for us. Let's look at the first phrase that he says. When you pray, say this, Father hallowed be your name, or hallowed, right? And so uh, we said last week, what we wanna do is kind of the shift we wanna make in our prayer is to think about prayer as worship-based, right? And, and this phrase um, that, that we kind of looked at is we wanna seek the face of God before the hand of God. That alone will transform the way that we pray. And so what we see here in this prayer that Jesus models for us is both God's glory and our needs, but the starting place is God's glory, right? We start with God's glory, and that's what this is saying. Father, hallowed be your name. Father, first of all, well, that is, that communicates relationship, right? That's a pretty special relationship. The relationship between a father and a child, a father between a son or a daughter. And that relationship, there's understanding there of the relationship. You know, the way that we approach God and being able to call him father, reveals how we feel about him and our understanding of the relationship and the gospel. Do we feel comfortable coming to God and and relating to him as father? Some of us maybe have some trouble with that. Part of the reason is we have trouble with our own fathers. Our earthly fathers let us down. Our earthly fathers kind of fall short of expectations. Our earthly fathers sin against us The reminder is, is that we would not read our earthly father into our heavenly father, rather that we would recognize and know that our heavenly father is never like that. He is perfectly present in all situations. He is kind and gracious in all things. He is loving above everything. He is a good father. And so the way that we approach God reveals a great deal of our understanding of who he is and our relationship with him. A.W. Tozer said, um, and we've quoted it here before, but when what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I think we need to answer the question, how then do we approach God in prayer? Do you approach him as a child approaching a father? Or are you self-conscious or second-guessing yourself in, in coming before it? I'll just tell you this, as a dad, my kids are not self-conscious as they approach me, especially if they want something from me or they need to tell me something, right? Why? Because they know me as dad. It's a very unique relationship. They're so comfortable, in fact, that, that it is not uncommon to, in the middle of the night, have one of them come up to the side of my bed and creepily right, stand there and wait for me to wake up so they can ask me for something. At no point am I more afraid than when I'm, I'm and you can feel it. Like, if you're, if you're a parent, you know this, right? If you've been laying there in bed and you just kind of feel there's, like, something right there. And then you kind of open your eyes, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's, a, it's terrifying. to Two in the morning, there's this little face just kind of, like, looking at you. And then it's like, could you do that any more, like, creepy? Like, is it, could you get any more scary in the way that you do that? And it's like, what do you need? And it's like, I need a drink of water. Like, that's why we put cups in there. Like, go, just get yourself. Like, thanks for telling me. Like, go ahead. You're good. Go back to bed. Like, what are you doing, Right? See, here's the thing is that they're able to come and approach me that way and ask for a drink of water because there's that relationship there. It would be quite a different situation if you came into my house in the middle of the night and you were standing over my bed, right? And you asked me for a drink of water at 2 a.m. Why? Because there's not the same relationship. It's like father. And so as we come, this is the picture that Jesus gave us is that we can come to our heavenly father and approach him as a dad with his kid. You know, I've seen this picture used to illustrate this, and I think it's um, helpful, so I wanted to share it with you. Um, It's a picture here of of John F. Kennedy um, sitting at the Resolute desk, right? And then there poking out at the bottom is his son. And I think this is such a great picture of our understanding and the relationship that we can have with our Heavenly Father here sitting at that desk is the, uh, you know, some would say the most powerful leader, right, in the free world, um, certainly the most authority and kind of a uh, lot of uh, power and uh, decision burden on him and a lot of people, a lot of uh, respect for at least the office, if not the, the man himself. But yet that little boy sitting there cares about none of that. Why? Because that's Dad. And he's able to approach dad in a different way. That relationship is so unique. And what a great picture that we would have as we approach the God of the universe, the creator God. And we, because of the work of Jesus Christ, the scripture teaches us that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, that he adopts us into his family and he calls us his children. And so we come and we approach God as father This is good for us. Do you approach, when you pray to God, do you approaching him as a child, approaching a father? See, we come, father, then next phrase, hallowed be your name. You see, this is, this phrase here, hallowed be your name, um, you know, not a word that we throw around a rod, hallowed or hallowed, right? Uh, Kind of two expressions, I think, that are helpful for us. The first is this, that most beautiful, That's what he's saying there. Most beautiful is your name. See, we understand that God is completely holy. That means he's set apart, he's separate, he's other from all of us. And in understanding that he is hallowed, that he is most beautiful, that even as we approach him with things that we might need or things that we might request or things that we might want, that even in beginning here with the relationship, seeking the face of God before the hand of God, we acknowledge and we understand that In our relationship with God, we have the greatest possession that we could possibly possess. There is nothing greater. And so as we come before God to be able to speak to him in this way and to have this approach with him, we understand when we say, "Hallowed, most beautiful God, we are here in your presence. The other aspect that we need to understand of this hallowed is most worthy. God is most worthy of all of our praise, of all of our adoration, of all of the songs, the expressions of appreciation, the acknowledgement of who He is. He's worthy of it all. That's why every week we gather, right? And we sing and we lift up our voice to do what? To praise, to give glory to Him. Because why? He is worthy of it. He is most worthy. And so this is the place that we start. We start with the relationship. We start seeking the face of God. Father, hallowed be your name. Most beautiful, most worthy is your name. This is who you are, God. Jesus continues the next phrase he gives us is your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. See, the key action here that we see in this pattern for us is one of surrender. When we come to God, our posture should be one of putting down our guard, putting down what we want. See, so many times I think what we wanna do when we pray is that we, we're not about trying to get God on our page. Rather, we are trying to get on his page and see where he is working and join him in that. And how many times is that sort of the opposite of the way that we respond to God? I think sometimes we approach God in prayer and we think we gotta convince him, we gotta kind of plead with him why our case is, is worth listening to and why, why this situation is worth him intervening in and and all that. And we try and give an explanation and a reason for what it is that we're seeking God to do. We're trying to get him onto our page. And that's not the model that Jesus gives to us. Rather, we express a posture of surrender and we say, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. You see, God is all about bringing his kingdom here to earth. In fact, that is how it began, right? When God made this planet, He said he made the garden and everything in it and it was good. And it says he placed man and woman there in the garden. He said it was very good. And so there he has this man woman that he created in his image, made very good. And the kingdom, it was a picture of his kingdom where there was relationship and there was freedom and there was purpose and, 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 and there was nothing that separated them from each other, yet sin entered into that garden through taking of the fruit that was forbidden, the fruit that was of knowledge of good and life, sin entered in and broke all of it. God's kingdom was broken. That happened in the first few pages of our scriptures. The rest of it is God restoring and rebuilding and bringing back his kingdom. And the way that he modeled that for us is he called out a man, right? Abraham. And he said, I'm gonna turn you into a great nation. I'm gonna bring you to a place. And through him and his descendants, he, he made the people of Israel whom he called his children and he established a kingdom. And therefore, this was meant to be an earthly representation, a picture of his kingdom on earth. And yet what happened Sin once again prevailed and, 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 and the kingdom went away from God and, and was divided and, and, and built, uh, prayed to other kings and worshiped other, other gods and, and all of this. And so we see this, this kingdom broken and we know that, the, that it's going to take a move of God, a work of God to restore the kingdom. That is why God's son, Jesus Christ, came that the kingdom would be restored. And Jesus came to pay the penalty for the sin that entered way back in the garden and has been repeated by every human since. He came to pay the penalty for that sin and to make right the relationship between man and God, between woman and God through belief in the finished and accomplished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the gospel. And so what we're saying when we say your kingdom come, we're acknowledging that God's kingdom is not here right? This place, this planet is broken. That's why when we see all the things on the news, we're not surprised by it, right? How much do we want to see God's kingdom come there in the Middle East? I mean, such conflict, such mistreatment of others, a lack of respect, a lack of care. I mean, pure evil at times is what we're seeing pictures of. And we're reminded that this is not God's kingdom fully realized. His kingdom is yet to come. He is working that out and someday it will be, right? We've read the end of the story. We know what comes. Jesus is coming back again and his kingdom will be established and he will be on the throne and all will be set right again because of what he has done. What we're doing when we're praying is we're saying, would your kingdom come now? Would we see more of that now? Would we see you work now? And in order to pray these type of prayers, your kingdom come Our prayers need to be fed by Scripture. We wanna pray worship-based, Scripture-fed prayers. They're informed by the Scriptures. Why? Why is that so important? Well, because I think if you and I left to our own sort of prayers and the things that we see as valuable and what we want to see done, we sort of um, sort of uh, demise down into uh, kind of this lowest common denominator of the things that you know, make sense to us. And that's not always the way that God's kingdom works. He has some higher ways and, and, and more information to work with and, and different purposes than, than you or I might be experiencing. So scripture helps to inform our prayers. Can I just encourage you that we need to spend, if you want to grow in prayer, you need to grow in your time in God's word. It informs the way that we pray Can I encourage you to not just spend time in scripture, but memorize scripture? Nothing is better. Like nothing warms my heart as a pastor more than when I hear scripture being prayed. Scripture that you've memorized, that's on your heart, that's there, that you can, why? Why is that so, so special? Because if you're praying God's words and you know you're praying things that would align with his kingdom and his will in these things, you know, one way that you can uh, kind of grow in this, can I just commend to you real quickly, sort of as a side side encouragement, um, to maybe try? There's lots of I like to just like, give tools and, and provide different ways. Uh, maybe if you're trying to ramp up your time in God's Word, could you try maybe using uh, what we we call the here method? Um, here uh, stands for something. You can write this down. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. Here, highlight, explain, apply respond this is a great way to read and spend time in scripture what do i mean by that well one highlight i would encourage you get a paper copy of god's word digital is fine it's okay um, it's just not, you know, the best, okay? So if you want the best, get something paper. Why? Well, because there's no notifications. There's no distractions on this. There's something about holding the entire counsel of God's word in your hand. You also can go back and just reference it so much easier and better. And, and I'm telling you, I am all about digital books. Every other book I own is digital except for this one, okay? My entire library of commentaries, all the books I buy, they're all on Kindle or Logos. I got all of that except for this one. This is the one that I want to touch, I want to feel, I want to know, I want to see. Why? Because there's something about highlighting. So read it with a pen in hand, with a highlighter in hand. I have a fancy colored pencil with like multiple colors. I take mine, mark it up with different themes and different things that I'm seeing there so that I can go back and I can remember and I can be challenged by the way that God is working. So hopefully you're marking and writing in your Bible. So highlight, explain. Don't just read it and then kind of walk away from it, but ask some questions like, what's going on here? Who's, who's this being written to? What's, how is this being received? What, what does it mean? What's the main purpose of why this is being given? Try and understand all of that. Apply, what am I gonna do about it? Okay, so knowing that, what is God calling me to do? What's gonna change? How do I need to respond? What do I need to think differently about? What are the things that God is showing me that are not aligned with this passage or this, what he's saying here, and then respond. What is it that I'm gonna do? Do I need to spend some time just praying about that? Do I need to have a conversation with someone? Do I need to like, let something go? Do I need to begin doing something? Do I need to make a change? Respond here, or highlight, explain, apply, respond. If you do that, then you're going to, that's gonna inform your prayers. Now, all of a sudden, you've got some really great content to pray about and for. If you've had a hard time praying for more than five minutes at a time, my encouragement would be that maybe, maybe, you're not letting scripture inform the way that you're praying. So as you spend time in scripture, as you memorize, as you hear, as you respond to scripture, it's going to inform it. But here's the great thing, not just scripture directs our prayers, but also, we said this last week too, but we wanna have spirit-led prayers. We've been indwelled, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. He can lead us in the way that we pray. What about this? What if we just, as we're praying, just saying, God, I don't wanna just pray to you, I wanna pray with you. And we allow him to shape and direct the way that we are praying. See, he is still active, he is still moving. The Spirit of God is still at work in us and he can direct us to pray and to respond and to be in conversation with him in some ways that he would address. He uses his word, but his spirit can lead us. I love uh, kind of the extra phrase that is included in Matthew. Jesus probably said this prayer a few times, which is why we have it recorded in a couple different places in a couple different ways. But in Matthew chapter six, it's recorded, your kingdom come, and then your will be done. What a great way to acknowledge that, yes, we're asking for God's will to come, but when it's not, when we don't see it, Or when the timing's not quite there, would we just still acknowledge that your will, God is going to do it in his timing, acknowledging that he controls it when we can't see it or when it doesn't look like it's getting done in the way that we would want it to be done. That's what we're saying when we're saying your kingdom come, surrender. We're surrendering to God in that. He then moves more toward the our needs. We've kind of looked at God's glory, now our needs in this. Uh, The next phrase, it says, give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we, forgive, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Last week, I think many of you were challenged by the um, quote that I shared uh, from Daniel Henderson, which is this, prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. Uh, the opposite is true, is that as we pray, our prayer declares dependence on God. And God invites us to bring our needs to him, the requests before him. When we bring our needs to God, we are acknowledging that we need him to do something. And let's think about for a second, the times when you are most active in prayer. When is it? It's when you need something, right? When you know that I have nowhere else to turn, the only place, the only way this is gonna get done is by turning to God in prayer. Even corporately, together as a church, when we had the opportunity to purchase this building, we had night after night after night, time after time, myself. I mean, I spent nights in this parking lot praying over this place, praying that God would work. Why? Because I know, humanly speaking, there was no reason that we should have a facility like this to be able to meet in. And it was gonna require God to do that. Yet, are we still pursuing him together with the same prayerfulness in that? Because when we see and we realize that we are dependent upon God, that we need that. And so this example here that's given is is to pray for our daily bread. Uh, Literally, it's give us today, like today's bread is, is is what we're asking for. And then also that we would find forgiveness from those things that we have sinned against God in. We see both prayer regarding, or requests regarding resources and relationship And here's the encouraging thing for you. Can I just encourage you for a minute? Hopefully all of this is encouraging, but I wanna encourage you with this. If something is on your heart, you can bring it to the Lord. He invites us to. He says, do not be anxious about anything, right? But by everything, by prayer and supplication, we're gonna keep bringing that verse back up because he invites us. He says, by everything, about everything, pray. If it is on your heart, bring it to the Lord. He allows us to ask for the things that we need. And, and, and maybe this isn't your situation. We see like, give us today, today's bread. Uh, many of us, fortunately, have probably not had to wonder where today's meals were going to come from. But I do know that in our church, some of you, and maybe some of you are even there now, where there is a real concern. Where is my next meal going to come from? What God is saying is have dependence upon me. Ask me and I will meet your needs. I will provide for you. Let me just say it because I'm kind of thinking it right now. If that is you and you don't know where your next meal is and you're a part of this church, tell us because I'll tell you where your next meal is coming from. It's coming from your church family, okay? That's what we're called to do as a church. If you ever find yourself in that spot, that's what the church is called to do. That is the way that God's answering you is that he is providing for you in this way. Let us know and we would love to help together as a church. But here's the thing, Psalm 910 encourages us with this that those who know your name and put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. As we seek the Lord in dependence, as we bring our requests before him, he will not forsake us. He will respond. And he's responding to the things, the resources that we need. And he's also responding in regards of the relationship that is broken This is a picture here of confession, right? Forgive us our sins. A regular part of our prayer needs to be confession. Why? Well, because we sin all the time before God and we need to ask forgiveness for it. I just wonder real quick, kind of check, I'm not gonna ask for you to put your hand up or answer verbally, but how often is confession a part of your prayers? Hopefully, It's as often as we sin before God, which is more often than we'd like to acknowledge, right? We need forgiveness for our sins. Thankfully, because of the work of Jesus, forgiveness is available to us. The promise of God is this. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so I think we have two problems equally uh, are two, two errors that we make, both equally problematic. Some of us, we never confess. There's things that you know are wrong, that you're persisting in, that you're walking in, that you're not confessing and bringing and saying, God, I have sinned against you in this. We need to confess, we need to acknowledge, we need to ask for forgiveness. So one of the errors that we make is we never confess. If you're never confessing anything in your prayer, you're, you're, you're not miss, you're, you're, you need to ask somebody, if you're married, ask your spouse, right? <laughs> if you've got a good friend, ask them. They'll tell you. They'll, 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 hey, uh, here's some things that you could maybe uh, ask for uh, forgiveness for. Um, but, but here's the other mistake that we make, which is also equally problematic, is that some of us, we confess and then we forget that God forgives. As far as the East is from the West, so far as He removed your transgressions from you. You know, this last week, somebody was praying for me and they prayed a prayer that I don't know if I've ever had prayed for me. Um, And it made me really kind of think because the prayer that that, um, this person prayed for me was that I would see and acknowledge and and know, uh, see myself in the way that God sees me. I don't know if I've ever had anyone pray that for me, but it really got me thinking because I think so many times, I don't think we think of ourselves in the way that God thinks of us. We kind of have this own, our own image of of who we are and what we are. And here's what God's word would say. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've placed your trust and faith in him. You have been declared righteous of all wrongdoing, of all of your sins. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinful state. He sees his perfect son. Like he sings over you. He loves you. You can't get any better in his eyes because of the work that Jesus has done. I mean, how good is that? How much do we need to be reminded of that? And so I think the mistake that we make is we confess our sins to God, but then we forget that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of an unrighteousness. And so this is what Jesus is reminding us. Part of our prayer should be both bringing the request for resources, but then also responding to the relationship, asking that God would forgive us and that that would then flow over into the forgiveness that we would have for others, right? Right? When you've been forgiven of much, it's easy to forgive others. If you have a relationship in your life that you are having a hard time forgiving someone, can I just lovingly tell you, come back to, look at the forgiveness that God has shown you and that will lead you to a place of forgiveness. We forgive because we have been forgiven. I know it's very easy to say in a sentence or two, much harder to do. Some of you have been hurt and wronged deeply by others. And let me just tell you that the blood of Jesus covers that, pays for that, and he wants to release you from the bondage of that through his forgiveness, that you would be able to forgive others in the same way. We forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Why? Because we ourselves have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. And listen, let me just say this. If you don't know, if you've never responded to the forgiveness that God offers you, he offers that freely to anyone who would receive it. The price that Jesus paid on the cross pays for the sins that we have transgressed against our heavenly father. And he offers forgiveness through his work. So there's nothing that you need to do. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to make yourself right. You don't need to kind of you know, muscle this thing out. Jesus has already done it. And so you have but to receive and believe upon his work and you will receive the forgiveness from God. How good is that? As part of our prayer, we are asking God for these things we bring our request before him, knowing that he is the one who is able to respond. We declare our dependence upon him in doing so. And the last phrase, he ends with this, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation. If we were to say it another way, God, protect my coming and going. I need your help, Lord. And he has promised to do so. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 If you are struggling with temptation, if you feel like you are being overpowered by sin, write this reference down, memorize this first. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God's promise is sure that there is nothing that you and I will ever face that he has not provided the strength, the ability, the the power to escape it. Through him, there is freedom available. And so what Jesus is modeling for us is that we would pray, lead us not into temptation. In Matthew, it goes on, but deliver us from evil. See, this is what God has allowed us to pray. And it is so good, we, we, we recognize, and see, this is why we need this, is because we need to be careful, right? That we don't respond in pride and thinking that we are above uh, sinning and, and failure uh, beyond anything. Some of us were well aware of that, right? And see, see previous point, confess, receive God's forgiveness. Others of us maybe have a different problem and we think that we are above it, that we are not tempted or those things are never going to tempt us. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've watched pastors and men and women that I respect and that were leaders in the church that have chosen some action or done something and, and, and so surprised and so let down that they would do that. Like how could they betray what they believe and, 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 and respond to God in that way? But yet I know that the own, my own propensity in my heart, but for the grace of God, right? The sin that is existing in anyone else is existing in me, that I have the ability to do that. And so, but for the grace of God and his protection that he would lead me from temptation, I can be right there with a matter of one choice. It doesn't take much. When I was just beginning in the pastorate, I I became a pastor for the first time. I was 22 years old. I had my um, uh, Bible that I had just gotten. And I I actually, on one of the very first pages, it's a different Bible than this. On one of the very first pages, um, I wrote down this kind of warning to myself and as a young 22-year-old pastor, I wanted to make sure that I understood the weight that was placed upon me in seeking to lead people and point people to Jesus. And I can't remember how I worded it exactly. I should have gone and actually looked up the Bible. It's on a shelf somewhere. I have all these Bibles that my kids are gonna be thrilled to get when I'm um, <laughs> you know, gone someday. But um, the, uh, uh, in this Bible, I kind of wrote that if I fail uh, to live with integrity or if I, if I fail to live above reproach, here's what's going to happen. And uh, I'm going to betray the church. I'm going to take away from the fame of Christ. I'm going to hurt my wife and I'm going to damage the relationship. I'm going to lose the respect of my kids. And, and this kind of list went on. And the reason that I listed all of that was not to sort of shame or sort of put this pressure on me, but just to be reminded that, that but for the grace of God, there is real consequence to the sin that I would choose And so I need to be reminded of my need for God to protect me from it. See, it wasn't the list that protected me. It wasn't knowing the consequences, right? It was the list that drove me back to pray and say, God, would you lead me, not lead me into temptation? Would you deliver me from evil? Because I don't want this to happen, right? I don't want to bring, I don't want to defame your name. I don't want to detract from the bride. I don't want to to hurt those around me. And so we pray and we ask that God would lead us not into temptation. He invites us to pray and ask for his protection, trusting and knowing as 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, there is a way of escape. And this is the good news of the gospel church is that even when we fall there is freedom and forgiveness and restoration and redemption that is found through Jesus Christ. God works to redeem and to restore. There is hope and there is forgiveness. So we pray, right, that we would be led not into temptation, but then when we do, we know that we can confess and receive forgiveness in it. This is the model of our prayers that God has given to us, that Jesus gave to us as he taught us how to pray. So here's how I'd love for us just to like apply this from this week. Many of us have looked at, uh, uh, several of us could probably stand up and, and, and quote the Lord's prayer. You probably know the Matthew version or maybe the old, uh, old school King James version or something like that. But here's the reason why I chose Luke is it's a little different and it, it doesn't have all the phrases. And so maybe it kind of sounds a little unique to our ears, but the idea that we want to do from here is not to just go and then start praying this all the time, rather that this would be the springboard from which we would pray from. Uh, Tim Keller describes it as riffing on the Lord's Prayer. I like that. I think that's a really good way uh, to describe it, right? So we kind of have the melody, and we're just gonna kind of like play around it, and we're going to use it, and we're gonna do that. So if I could, I'd love to just kind of give us a pattern to sort of kind of make it really applicable to all the ways that we pray. And this is an original to me. I, uh, this is his pastor, Peter Lord. Um, I think it was in the 70s. He developed what he called the Twenty Nine Fifty Nine plan. He was a pastor trying to encourage and, and um Exhort his church to pray, and so he wanted to see all of, everyone in his church pray for thirty minutes a day. But he didn't want to be legalistical about it, so he called it the twenty-nine fifty-nine plan. Okay, so twenty-nine minutes, fifty-nine seconds. Um, that was <laughs> that was the idea. Daniel Henderson, who I've been um, reading, he's been has some really helpful resources uh, for me and my own kind of you know journey and and trying to you know. Learn more and grow more in that. He um, sort of developed that and calls it the 4 4 pattern. Some of you are musical and you know I'm going to kind of mess this up, but you know, when, when, when a conductor in a 4 4 pattern, you're kind of like up, down, uh, sort of over and across, right? So you kind of have this, this movement, this, this sort of pattern, this, this 4 4 um, sort of movement. He takes this and says, Listen, we see this right here in the Lord's Prayer. This is something that we can use for all of Scripture. Uh, Starting with the Psalms, that is a great place to start. Take the Psalms and and use this. Here's what the pattern looks like. It looks like this. It begins with upward. This is the starting place. This upward. We start with reverence before God. And so that's what we see here. Father, hallowed be your name. I would encourage you to to pray scripture in this way. So open up the Psalms, read a Psalm, read a few verses of a Psalm, read a a passage from one of the uh, letters in the New Testament, and then ask yourself this, who is God here? Who is God in this passage and then pray those things. You should have enough material to pray for 10, 15 minutes from like any Psalm just around those things. Just responding to God, you are a provider. God, you are the good shepherd. God, you lead your people. You protect us, and, and just who is God? What do you see there? Start with reverence, this look upward. Then the movement is downward. How do I then, knowing God and who he is, how do I respond? The downward is response. How should I respond to that? Because you are protector, I can trust you in this way. Because you are provider, I have not fear of this. And and you can kind of fill in the blank with this. I sort of shared this a little bit last week. We're kind of digging into it a little bit more, but this response to who God is. So acknowledging who he is, then responding to it, then moving inward, these requests. What do I pray about, right? What am I asking God? Well, here's the awesome thing about starting with, Reverence and response. Now your requests are super informed by the glory of God. Right, the things that we're praying about are 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 a little unique and different than maybe the list that we would have started with. Use Scripture to inform your requests, and so the things that you see there in Scripture, pray those things. Like say, Lord, I'd like, please, I, I would you do this in this situation? Would you help her with this? Would you the things that you see. In Scripture, pray those for people, pray those for your own heart, pray those for situations or attitudes or whatever it might be, requesting right there from scripture and then outward, that readiness, that response, what comes next? Where do I go from here? God, what are you asking me to do? Lord, help me. Help me to live without fear. God, help me to Trust that your way is best in this. Whatever it might be that you would see that modeled right there from scripture. You can take this same movement and then it kind of goes back then ending with the upward, the reverence. In the King James Version, right? It has thine is the power and the glory, right? Forever and ever. Um, it kind of ends back with reverence. We see this in all the uh, prayers throughout the scripture. Last week in Ephesians, we saw that that uh, Paul ends his prayer with uh, to, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So kind of coming back to this place of reverence, this is uh, the, the crescendo and the place that we end our prayers. Listen, if we pray this prayer, then here's the thing that we are no longer going to struggle with, of what am I gonna say when I pray? How can I pray for that long? It charges and fuels and informs and directs our prayers. It is scripture-fed, it's spirit-led, and it is worship that we are doing as we are praying before God. This is the model that Jesus has given us. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. This movement that we have here. You know, if I could, if I could just kind of end and, and say this, that hopefully what you hear in all of this is not that we are talking about something else for your checklist to do, right? Like we're not trying to grow in prayer because that's going to, you know, lead to some, some kind of, you know, points is, is before God or, or you know, the, 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 any of that. Like we're trying to grow in our prayer because it is a gift that God has given us So many of us, maybe we have a hard time finding, one of the things we might say is like, I don't have time to pray. When am I supposed to pray? Things are so busy. To that, I think what God would call us to is that part of the reason things are so busy and you're so frazzled is because you're not praying enough. We need to trust God, allow him to rearrange our priorities, to put that as priority, as first, recognizing the blessing, the gift the joy that it is, it rearranges and shapes and directs all the ways that we see all of these things. And and when we pray in this way, it will change us. More than it changes the mind or the heart of God, it changes us. The prayer is changed in the prayers, right? We are shaped, we are molded in this. A challenge for us is that we would pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray, responding to him, requesting from him, looking to him uh, for the answer, knowing that he is faithful to respond, he's faithful to work, and he has the power to do so. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness, your presence. God, your glory, which is so evident around us. And God, we ask for a fresh understanding, God, a fresh perspective of who you are. God, I pray that our hearts would uh, respond out of uh, just an authentic reverence, an authentic acknowledging of, of, of you and your greatness. God, you are our Father. And you are most beautiful, you are most worthy. So God, we ask that you would have dominion in our life. God, that you would control and direct our steps. God, that you would shape our hearts. That you would inform our emotions. God, that you would give us your wisdom. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence and your love in our life. We ask that you would respond. God, that you would meet these needs. We bring them before you. God, trusting that you are good, that you are faithful to respond. We pray this for our church. God, together as your people, we want to look to you and the power that you have and the grace that you offer. God, the freedom and forgiveness which has been purchased through the work of Jesus Christ. And we wanna say, yes, Lord, we want more of that. We wanna know you more fully, we wanna see you work and so God, we ask that you would do that. Lord, continue to shift and move our hearts toward this. We ask that you would do that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.